Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Naya, tell us about your career and what led you to ColorStack. That is a great question, and it was a winding journey. There's a lot of things. So I'll start with Um, obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic. And so when COVID started, I feel like I was doing what a lot of people were doing, reevaluating, what am I doing with my life? What is my purpose? Like, do I really want to spend my days doing this particular career? And so I ended up transitioning at the time I was like in an HR coordinator role. Um, and I ended up transitioning, transitioning into a recruiter role uh, at a startup. And so that was a lot of fun. It was a globally distributed team. And I loved connecting people to like their dream jobs and just finding that right fit. So that was really fun for me. But I realized pretty quickly on that it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, you know, My mom is a social worker, so I'm kind of used to seeing my mom think a lot about helping people, um, and she instilled a lot of pride in my Blackness and my womanness and just the history of that, and so I wanted to do something in that area, um, but I also wanted to use my youth more to my advantage, if that makes sense. Uh, I remember calling my dad actually and crying probably like a year after graduating college and like my first full-time role. I was like, I feel like nobody wants to really like, let me do anything. Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, I have all of these ideas and all of these things I want to do. And everybody just keeps telling me, oh, you're so young. Just give it a couple more years. You could do that in a little bit, do this thing first. And I was like, I just want to explore. That's how I learn. Um, that's just how I do what I do best. And so my dad, I remember he just told me, so go somewhere where your youth is valued. So I started thinking a lot about working with students um, and working with black and brown students in particular. And I feel like I, I pretty much just kind of manifested color stack. I started talking to everyone I knew. I was like, I know I want to work with students. I don't know what I want to do, but I want to work with them. And I want to just teach them all of the things that I've learned from like my HR and recruiter expertise. Like there's so much about adulthood and careers that we don't know. Um, And so I stumbled across the color stack job description in a Slack channel. Literally one of the students just happened to post it there. And I was like, this is everything I've wanted to do. This is working with black and brown students. It was a program manager of career development. So it was very focused on helping them navigate sort of the internship and job search process. And I interviewed with the CEO, we hit it off. um, And it was just, it was just so well aligned. It was everything that I was looking to do. So a lot of, a lot of different things kind of played into that, but that's how I ultimately ended up at ColorStack. I love that. And something you mentioned about go where your youth is valued. I think a lot of young, smart individuals are excited about their first job and realize that they may not have the flexibility to explore, to test, to fail, to learn as you might, for example, in a startup. I think those environments are more primed for mm-hmm. for youth to really experiment and be given more responsibility and have autonomy and I'd love to know, you know, what do you think that um, young people in particular can do to raise their hand and try out new things and be 
be in a position where they can explore, as you mentioned, if they're finding themselves kind of stuck in their role? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, So I think we oftentimes spend so much time focused on what we can do at work. And it's probably because we spend so many hours of our day and so many hours of a week at work. But there is this larger, huge world out there to explore. And so even in my sort of early roles, and honestly, even in college, um, I was always trying new things. My friends notoriously knew I was never on campus, um, either because I was going to see like friends, family, my partner at the time, or I was going to workshops and panels and finding out about what was going on in the city and trying to gather as much information as possible. So I would say the best thing to do is just scale the internet. Google is your best friend. Mm -hmm. Um, I was literally always going through Eventbrite, looking for new newsletters to subscribe to, read the emails to. Um, I think that's something I always tell the students that I talk to now. There's so much value in scrolling to the bottom of an email that someone sends you. (laughs) And I think there's so many, so many people would ask me in college, Naya, how did you find out about that thing? And I'm like, we all got the same email. It was the email (laughs) that they sent out to the entire class. Um, So yes, just read everything, read books, listen to podcasts. Just, I think it's constantly being in that growth mindset And Mm -hmm. in every corner of the world, there is something to learn. Mm -hmm. Just strike up conversations with people, like start having, if it's at work, start having coffee chats with people in different departments. I did that quite often. People who are doing jobs that I may not even necessarily be interested in Mm -hmm. doing myself, but I'm interested in your journey. How did you get here? What like makes you passionate about this thing? What do you think is your next step? Is this like, it for you? What does success look like for you? How are you balancing this with like the rest of your life and having a family? And there's so much to just gain from talking to people and listening. Listening is so valuable. Um, And so I say it's that. And I think just having a strong support system. I think obviously, again, like family, friends, partners, that's great. Um, But also, if you can, I think it's so important to invest in yourself. At the start of COVID, I basically had like a mental and emotional and career wellness support team. Um, So I had a therapist, I had a life coach, I had a sleep therapist, um, I had a Reiki practitioner. Um, I had just about everything that you could think of. I was trying to sort of figure out, okay, how can I holistically figure out how I can just be the best version of myself. Um, And I think a lot of times we think that we have to like be significantly older. You have to like have a midlife crisis or you have to like wait till you're 30 to like start thinking about those things or you just need to be in the middle of an issue. And I think that's oftentimes the hardest time to get support is when you need it most Mm -hmm. um, because it can be really difficult to be vulnerable and ask for that. And so I think something else I would encourage young people to do is start getting those resources, start getting those tools, start figuring out what support looks like for you, start finding those coping mechanisms while you're young, while things maybe aren't as so heavy, while you're not maybe trying to juggle like Mm -hmm. child and like the pressures or just the expectations of being somebody's life partner and being a, a a child to your parents and having a job and having (laughs) to keep that job because now you've got all these things to maintain. Like I think before it just 
kind of builds and builds and builds, start to get those support systems early. I love that. And I like that you mentioned that you had your team set up, right? So it's so important to think about who, who is your team right now that's there to support you. We think of our friends immediately, but you know, we are living in such complicated times where everybody has limited capacity, right? And sometimes yeah. it really helps to lean on professionals that really understand um, whether it is keeping your physical or your emotional health in check. It's great to have that team set up. So I love that you mentioned that that term. Um, and something that you said earlier around, you know, what I really heard there was just being hungry, being curious, reading books, talking to people, starting conversations. I think when you're young, you have that advantage of being a sponge and being able to yes. absorb more. Um, and you certainly have, you know, some people, I won't say all, have more time, right, to invest in those activities and conversations. So really doing what you can to build that foundation of knowledge so that as you grow, you're able to use it um, and explore and test some of those things that will provide you with the fulfillment and satisfaction that you may not be um, experiencing at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Question for you around how companies can improve and expand on their diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging goals. So we hear a lot about DEIB um, and I'm sure that at Colorstack, this is probably something that comes up. Would love to know what your insights are on how companies can improve those goals. Ooh, that is a great question. And I think it has such a simple answer. I just said it for, for how young people can sort of get those opportunities early on. Listen, mm-hmm. I think that is the first step. Um, I think so much of what we see now with a lot of companies and organizations is just them trying to do. I think mm-hmm. everybody's trying to catch up Um, And I understand it. It's important to have some action. You don't just want to listen. Um, And so I want that to be clear. The action is important because a lot of this, most of it, if not all of it, is long overdue. But I think sometimes we're doing things and not really listening to the people who are going to be impacted by it, who it's supposed to be serving, who it's supposed to be creating opportunities for, who it's supposed to be more accessible to. I think sometimes it just feels like we're sort of going through a checklist mm-hmm. thing or, or looking over our shoulders like, oh, crap, that company did that thing. Now we've got to do this <laughs> thing too. And it's like, does that even fit for you? Like, mm-hmm. do your employees care about that? Do your customers care about that? Is that their number one priority right mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. And so I think a huge part of it is really just listening to your audience, like finding out where it is that you can improve and what's important to them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just the ultimate first step. And then I think also a part of it is getting to this space where we can sort of have these healthy conversations. I think we have to, I think difference is normal. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we have to get to a space where it shouldn't be antagonistic. There shouldn't be anybody saying, you know, this person doesn't deserve this or that person shouldn't have access to that. I think absolutely that needs to be off the table. But humanity is marked by difference. We have different tastes in food. We have different Mm -hmm. tastes in music. Like, and that's totally normal for us. And that's fine. Like, We are just, we've accepted that. We embrace it. We are curious about it. You will go somewhere else. And it's like so important, like cultural immersion when you travel is like Mm -hmm. so important. Like 
you're just going to go do the touristy things. Like that's like, so <laughs> like it's now really just even becoming trendy to actually be more curious and explore mm-hmm. more. And so I think that's also how we have to approach diversity and inclusion is you have to get curious. Like you have mm-hmm. to, and, and really, I would say sometimes I think where it comes to overstepping our boundaries is the first step is getting curious about yourself. I think the more that you learn about other people, it's always reflecting back on you what's similar about us and what's different about us. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's also the first step is like, let's be more self-reflective as individuals within an organization for, you know, for leadership teams. But I think also even within organizations, like stop looking around at what everybody else is doing, because this is not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Because you're talking about 7 billion people on a planet even as we have clumped ourselves into these groups and have these identities, there are so many nuances within those identities that you cannot possibly have a one size fits all approach to this. And so mm-hmm. I think it's also getting curious and reflective about what, what am I thinking? Why do I think this way? Why do I move about the world in this way? Why did we think this policy made sense? Why doesn't it make sense <laughs> now? And I think starting to even understand why, like just asking why all the time, Mm-hmm. And, and looking within I think those are like the first if I could just see more organizations do that that to me would be a step in the right direction I think so much of what mm-hmm. comes afterwards and what it would be organic mm-hmm. instead of sort of all of this like oh I read this article that said do this thing so now we've got to create this mm-hmm. group in the organization and it's t- like and I think also the last thing I'll say is just everybody realizing that this is everybody's work Mm-hmm. we're all humans and we're all different mm-hmm. so I think sometimes when we think about diversity you think diversity and immediately you're thinking like black and brown people you're mm-hmm. thinking women you're thinking lgbtq plus identifying people and it's like diversity is everybody like exactly. this, this gender heterosexual white man in the room is included in diversity mm-hmm. you make up the difference in the room and you're still a unique individual you're not like the cisgender heterosexual white guy standing next to you mm-hmm. like you're not the exact same person you may need different things because you're a father and he's mm-hmm. not you may need different things because you're grieving the loss of a family member right now and you need different support in the workplace and maybe he doesn't need that like you still as a unique person and individual have something to offer you have a unique perspective you have unique needs mm-hmm. and so I think also realizing like we all have something to contribute to the conversation like this is not something that should just be dropped on your mm-hmm. black and brown employees your black and brown leaders your black and brown friends or or your female friends or your women friends or your queer friends like that this is everybody like we oh, all yeah. have something at stake here everybody Absolutely love that philosophy. And I think once we can get that philosophy right is where what you talked about where companies just jump into do, 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 and like a checklist, just going through, well, HBR says do this. And I heard on this podcast, this is what, you know, it means to be an inclusive environment. Um, But I really love that you mentioned diversity really does include every single person. And even though we have these identities, we, we cannot project or assume what a specific group needs necessarily because within there, there are so many different needs, but I think it's about starting that conversation, as you mentioned, having healthy conversation and really listening, listening to people, I think, and witnessing them is probably the number one, right? Yeah. Um, 
first place to start for any company looking to develop DEIB um, initiatives. Um, and another thing you mentioned around what does the company need right now? What are the priorities within this space for my company, for my clients, because it really is not a one size fits all. It's great to absorb the landscape, get ideas and see if it would make sense for your organization. But sometimes the answer is no, and that's okay. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to recruiting, what do you think that companies can do a better job of there? Ooh, uh This, this one has a lot as well. Um, I think the first step, empathy. Um, we all know what it's like to want a job, to mm-hmm. be looking for a job. And so I think having empathy and kindness in the process, um, because everybody is a little bit nervous. Like, I think there just also has to be grace for that anxiety and those nerves and those jitters in the job search process, because there's a lot on the line. Um, particularly within the context of the United States of America, like our mm. healthcare is typically attached to our jobs, our life insurance, our livelihood, how we eat, how we pay bills and keep the roof over our heads. So much mm-hmm. of honestly what we would in some way say is our value, although we have much deeper value beyond that, but so much of our value as human beings is really kind of related to what we do for a living. And so there's a lot on the line when somebody is looking for a job. Um, And so I think the first thing is just being empathetic and kind throughout that process. Um, I think as much as you can, giving feedback. Um, It doesn't, I, I understand sort of all, you know, I've been a recruiter, so I understand why we don't always give feedback. One, it's time consuming and There's just a lot that goes into that. But I think giving somebody some sort of direction, something Mm. leading them down some sort of path so that it doesn't feel as personal. Uh, But I would also say to to those who are searching for jobs, it's not that personal. Mm -hmm. There's so many business decisions that go into whether or not somebody is a good fit for a role. Um, And so I would also caution people against taking it very personally because nine times out of 10, it has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with you. Um, And then I think the last thing that I would say is just as much as you can, giving a holistic perspective of what it's like to work at an organization. Um, I think sometimes we can be too focused on the day-to-day responsibilities, um, but what really makes or breaks somebody's experience at work oftentimes is sort of that informal, that social (laughs) environment. Um, There are even studies that say that having as little as just one friend in the workplace has a significant impact on retention. And so I think making sure that there's time to sort of have that interview Mm -hmm. with the team, get to know each other on a more informal level. Um, And I think also sort of not necessarily thinking about culture fit, because I think that is like completely Mm. defying diversity equity and inclusion and belonging. Mm -hmm. But I think values alignment is what we should be looking for because we can be drastically different people with different perspectives, different backgrounds, but we can value the same things. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes, even when we're, we're battling over our differences, it's like, but we value that we're valuing the same thing. We have a different way of going about it, Mm -hmm. but we can still come together over our values. And so I think that's also incredibly important is to start looking at the interview from that perspective because it it kind of takes away the fear of difference and goes, okay, but we still, we have something in common at our core. Mm -hmm. We can, we can be aligned even when we have conflict as a team or as a manager and direct report, 
we can get aligned, we can realign each other with our values. So that's, that's the advice that I would give to recruiters. Love that. There is that concept of culture ad versus culture fit that I still think it's, it's not an easy conversation to have with every hiring manager as they are truly kind of boxed into this idea of culture fit. They must fit the culture or else there's going to be a clash and I'm going to have a hard time getting them on board with what we need to do. And the personalities are just not going to mesh. You know, all of this hesitation, I think, can be redefined once we align on the values, as you mentioned. And I do see a lot of companies having a specific section in their recruitment process dedicated to having a values interview. So Mm -hmm. some of them will loop in mission and values together. And I think it's when when you have employees that are working towards the same goal and committed to that goal and they value the same thing. So when we talk about values, it could be a value for learning. It could be a value um, for impact, right? There's so many Mm -hmm. different, different types of values and just kind of making sure that you're prioritizing the same things. And when you, when you have that page to land on together, doesn't matter what other differences there are in terms of personality background. I think those are the things that we, we would probably label with the culture ad and helping us maybe arrive at a solution from a new perspective. Exactly. 100%. Like, I think it's just, it's so it's so important to think about it as like this person is bringing something new. And I think, especially if you're, if you're sort of a B to C, if you're working with customers, like in particular, mm-hmm. this person is bringing a new perspective to what maybe our customers need, what our customers are thinking about. But like I said, just again, that realignment on values of like, when there is a conflict, we can center ourselves and arrive back at this thing that we've all agreed is important to mm-hmm. us. And so when companies get clear on their values, I think that that's also something that's incredibly important is sometimes we have these values. And I've asked a question in an interview of like, can you tell me about a recent example when you or someone on your team lived into your values and Mm -hmm. people will stumble. And it's like, this is so, why is this like put up on the wall and all over (laughs) the website and no one can say it. So I think getting clear on your values, and I actually even saw a company recently, they have a page called non-values, which I thought was really Mm. interesting. And so it's like, if you're considering working for us, here's all of the things that would actually, if these are things that you value or things that you're considering, then yeah, we probably actually wouldn't be the best fit for you right now. And so I think even something like that could be really clear of like, here's what we're really great at and what we could offer you and where we could be aligned. And if this is important to you, that's totally fine, but maybe we're not the best position to give you that at this point. I think I love that. That kind of clarity and transparency can save you so much hassle as an employer and a really good example. I think I've seen this too. I've seen it on on deck. So on deck has job descriptions (laughs) where they will mention why they would be a great fit. And then they'll have a list of why we might not be a good fit. And it's that kind of transparency that weaves out people that really are not on the same page with those values. Mm -hmm. And it helps attract the people that you really do want to test and see if there's a good compatible partnership there. Yep. Thinking about observations you've noticed when people are job searching today versus previously, what are some trends and changes? Oh, 
that is a good question. Um, I think one, you're also just, I think the first thing I'm noticing is just like the diversity of backgrounds and experiences. Mm -hmm. I think you've seen people coming from everywhere. I think especially now that we are, this pandemic has sort of brought on this distributed remote workforce. Mm -hmm. I think just the diversity of the pipeline now is amazing. Um, and I think to me, companies really have no excuse because you have access to so many more, so much more people. Yeah. Um, but I think what's, what's also kind of largely different, um, is even, I think one, how we're seeing resumes being formatted is really changing. I think that's something that's also incredibly important. And I've, I've done some career coaching in my time and I think there's room for creativity. I think you still want your resume to be simple and easy to read. It should it should be clear. I should be able to kind of follow it and know mm. what the different sections are. But I think even just getting creative with, you know, your fonts, a font that I, again, should still be able to read, but something that's more expressive of you or even coloring the lines in between your different sections mm. to sort of give me an idea of like your favorite colors or what you consider your vibe to be, including your interests. Like I heard so much, so many more people mm. say that your interests were optional a few years ago. Whereas now I feel like every recruiter is like, yeah, put your interest in there. Like we mm -hmm. want to understand you as a human being. Um, and so I think all of that is incredibly important, more important. Um, and I think you're just seeing more of the human side in the recruitment process. I think we're starting to see again, especially in the past year and a half with this pandemic, the value for work-life balance that companies mm -hmm. are now being held accountable for saying, how are you encouraging this? How are you creating space for this? And I think even just how recruiters are looking at the job search process, there is a lot more grace and empathy for people who are returning to work, who people who are prioritizing their mental and emotional health, for people who are grieving the loss of loved ones. Like, mm -hmm. I think that there is just, we're bringing this more human side um, into the job search process and into the workplace in general. And I, I hope that we continue to push for this. Like, I hope this doesn't, as I see as we're sort of making this return back to normal, whatever that means, mm -hmm. um, and returning to work. I really hope that there still is this care and concern for us as humans first, before mm -hmm. you are a job title, before you are even like a, a parent or a partner or a child to someone or a friend, you are human. You're just a person. You mm -hmm. are you and you need to be cared for and nurtured and have space to prioritize the things that you value and that are important to you. Um, and so I hope, I hope that people who are going into the workplace, and I hope that leaders in the workplace continue to see that and continue to make space for it. Because I think that I think the future of work being that much more inclusive and accessible and healthy is, right. is just, I think that's what we need. I think we've known that for a long time. And I hope that this time in history, this moment in history, we don't miss the opportunity to really, it's been an honestly terrible time in many ways, but I hope <laughs> we don't, we don't lose this momentum that has also been created and sort of miss mm -hmm. this opportunity to really change how we do things. I love that. And I think you're right. There is this push, particularly with the work-life balance 
And I think just going back to what we were talking about, DEIB work not being a one size fits all. And it's not something that is to put a certain group of people on a pedestal or, you know, to knock some people um, off of theirs or any of that. Really, it is an invitation to understand the human beings that each of us are with our individual needs. And I think that a particular group, let's say parents, might be a conversation starter for, let's say, workplace flexibility. But it is so important for those policies to be company-wide, right? So then Mm -hmm. you have your single folks benefiting from this policy, and now their humanness and their individual needs are now being appreciated and honored, and they have... They have that support that they might have felt ashamed or guilty or felt like they don't have a reason to talk about it. Um, So so thank you to the parents who have maybe highlighted Mm -hmm. that, hey, you know, we have lives outside of work. You know, everybody Mm -hmm. does. It's not just parents, but maybe they were the catalyst for this conversation that becomes a company wide policy. So that's an example there. Um, And I would just love to see that momentum continue, as you mentioned. I want to leave it off on one note. So a question I like to ask everyone on my show is what keeps you inspired? Ah, so many things. Uh, First, I'd probably say my younger sisters. I'm the oldest of four. So I have three younger sisters. um, And they keep me inspired. I think there's a lot of wisdom to, to be gleaned from older generations, but I think this newer, younger generation has a lot more fearlessness and hope. Um, and I think they're just so themselves and rebellious, but in this beautiful way, like rebellious mm-hmm. in this, like create space for mental and emotional health. And like, let's have challenging, difficult conversations. Like, I just love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like my sisters just keep me inspired all the time. Um, the students I work with, I really just love working with younger people because I feel like they're constantly challenging the status quo. And I think, you know, the older we get, I think sometimes we can get disconnected from our intuition, that gut feeling, Mm -hmm. that, that, that humanness of just knowing. Um, and Mm -hmm. I think younger people oftentimes are still a little bit more connected to it. They haven't sort of had to move into the the robotic nature of a nine to five (laughs) and a go home and cook yourself food and go to bed and do the same thing every single day. Like there's still this dynamic element to their lives. And Mm -hmm. so I think just working with and being around younger people keeps me so inspired. Um, And I think just, I think also right now, just the momentum, the conversations that we're having keep me so inspired. It can definitely bog me down as well. So Mm -hmm. I, I have to kind of take it in I have to pace myself as I take it in. But I think that so many of us are having conversations that are long overdue, are pushing for and demanding action that is just so needed. And I think it's beautiful to see us standing up for one another, to empathize with each other, to try to understand each other. Um, mm-hmm. and to, to really, I think the nature of our society now is so convenient. We can be so la- lazy. Like you don't even have to stand outside <laughs> and ha- hail a cab anymore. You can just sit down and wait until the app tells you it's right outside. Like we don't have to even move anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I think for a while there was almost this complacency, like just, a, eh, it is what it is. Like things are better than they were a couple of years ago. So just, we'll take it. Like, I think there was almost the, like, just gratitude for things don't suck as bad as they did before. So I'm not saying anything. 
But I think now we're back in this space of, okay, maybe things don't suck as bad as they did before, Mm -hmm. but they still could be improved. There's still a lot of work to be done. And I think on an individual level in psychology, you're always sort of pushing to be the best version of yourself. And I think that's what you're seeing now is just this push by society. Like we can be better than this. We Mm -hmm. are better than this. And let's really, let's be that. Let's show Mm -hmm. that. Let's demonstrate the change that we want to see in the world. And so that I think in spite of everything that is going on in the world to still hear, even if it's small groups of people, because I think it's a domino effect. Like it, it, it starts with one person. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't automatically, there's not a set number. Like, oh, it takes six people to implement change. If you don't have six, five people can't do anything, but six is like, there's no <laughs> golden number. It just starts with one person. And so I think even when the conversations feel like they're too small or there's not enough people talking, I'm just happy people are talking. That's mm-hmm. where it starts is just putting the thought in your head. Maybe it won't, be significant now, but maybe it'll have a trickle down effect. And so I think just all of that keeps me inspired because I think I'm, I, I care about impact. I want to leave the world better than it currently is by the time that I'm gone. And so I think just seeing that there are people who are committed to that just keeps me, it reminds me that it's not, I'm not the only one. I think sometimes we can feel like we're the only one who cares. (laughs) Like why does no one else care about this thing? But I think I just am constantly reminded, like people care, we care about each other, we care about ourselves, Mm -hmm. we care about each other. And it's just, it it takes time, it may not be as fast as we want it to be, it may not even be in a time where we get to see it, but it's happening. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm grateful to be a part of it, even if it's just a small part of it. So Love that. I think for sure there is a whole wave of conversations happening right now, and so many of them may feel uncomfortable. Some of us are expressing our true feelings about situations for the very first time, and it can be very scary. And it's so important to know that we all are part of this wave, and there's really no right or wrong. You know, I I would say it's just so important to just talk. And the moment we are allowed to express ourselves and and to be authentic and to be brave. Um, I think that's really where the change begins once we're open to correcting and we're open to providing others with that grace as well. I think that's the way that we'll be able to build and to continue to challenge the status quo and to make work more inclusive for every single human and find that work-life balance create a better way to recruit, create a better way to job seek, create a better way to, to, de- to develop ourselves, to develop work and develop society the way that we really want it to be. Yes, absolutely. And just remembering there's always that gray area. Like there's mm-hmm. always, even as we're trying to build things that are more accessible to groups, like there's always there's, there's always room to understand somebody else's perspective and to see mm-hmm. where they're coming from. I think that's so important. So very true, really leaning into that gray space and trying right. to understand each other as much as we want to be understood. Yes, 100%. Thank you so much, Naya. So much insight from you. It was such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been an honor talking to you today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Career Catharsis podcast. It would mean the world to me if you shared this episode with somebody that you know to inspire someone to take the next step in their career. 
send me your feedback at coach.neha.coram at gmail.com. Connect with me on Instagram at coach.neha or find me on LinkedIn. Simply type my name, Neha Koram, and you'll find me. Looking forward to connecting and see you next time.